and welcome to All Girls Considered, a podcast dedicated to telling the stories of inspiring women and girls. Today, we are speaking with Mother Wright, a priest at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Mother Wright. Thanks. It's good to be here. What made you decide to be a priest? Um, I'm one of the odd ducks that at a very young age said, this is what I want to do. So when I was 12, I looked at my mother and I was raised in the church. That was my second home. It was where I knew people loved me and cared about me. And so when I was 12, I looked at my mom and said, this is what I want to do. And at the time I was a part of the Lutheran church. So they call their clergy pastors. So I said, I want to be a pastor. Um, and when I graduated from college, I went to work for a little while and in retail, actually, um, to get bills paid off. And then I started seminary and went from there. But I knew at a really young age, I liked, the, I liked helping people figure out how to draw close to God. So, and I knew that at an early age, that, that I liked how the church worked and I wanted to be a part of that. Has anything ever shaken your beliefs? They've changed over the years. They've deepened. Um, I'm, I've had, I've done readings on, and I've talked with people who have had true um, faith challenges, like where they really, their faith was really shaken. Um, a lot of times that's because what they built their faith on is not as secure as they thought. So if your faith is built on, if I'm a good person, God will always make sure my life is okay, that's going to get shaken at some point because no one gets through this life without challenges. Everyone's life has difficulties and trials and tribulations that have absolutely nothing to do with what kind of a life you're living. It's just a part of being a person. But I didn't, I never had a faith like that. So I never had a real crisis of faith or, or my faith really dissolved. There was a time when I was a young adult that I wasn't overly pursuing being ordained, I think because I knew that um, I just wanted to be a young woman for a while. I knew that life always has ups and downs and challenges. So my faith was never built on that idea that I was going to have an easy life if I did the right things and was a Christian. So I never had that big of a faith crisis, but I did want to sort of just be a young woman for a while and not be ordained. So I took a little bit of time before I headed off to seminary and went for ordination um, and just worked and, and enjoyed being a young person and having a, a life without that, um, that added aspect of being ordained. Because it's not always fun. I think one of my favorite stories is um, I had just started seminary and we were at a huge gathering and there's not huge gathering. There's probably 20 of us out to dinner one night at a Mexican restaurant and someone at the other end of the table that I had just met that night for the first time said a cuss word, which is not an awful thing. It's not a good thing, but it's not an awful thing. And then she let out this huge gasp, looked at me across the entire table, and apologized. And I really felt like cussing right back at her just to let her know, like, I'm not the person that needs to be concerned about this. But it was, it's, you know, it can be uncomfortable at times. And I enjoyed just being a young woman for a few years. You said you wanted to be a young person. What did you mean? Just kind of be in the world without people 
looking at me as, wait a minute, this is a representative of God. What made your religion meaningful? The family that I was raised in took it seriously, but not so seriously that it was harmful or hurtful. So we said blessings before our meals. We said bedtime prayers. God was worked into how we operated in the world and how we were. We went to church on a weekly basis, but every once in a while my mom would say, let's take this Sunday off and sleep in and make waffles or whatever. So she wasn't overly rigid about it. Um, I knew that that was the place where people loved me and cared about me and would help me in any way possible. And through that knowledge of them and how much they cared, that's how I grew to understand how much God, get a glimpse of how much God cares for us. I don't think we ever really can feel the depth of God's love for us. We get glimpses of it. Um, but I think God's love for us is so strong and so deep that it's hard for us to understand how much is there. So a lot of how I was raised, kind of the love that I saw expressed around me. How do you help others that want to know more about religion? For me, it starts with finding out where they are and what they're at really asking about. And so some of it is in a, as you would expect, um, some of it is in large group settings. So when I preach each week, that's a way that I hope I'm helping people get to know God more. Um, when I help lead them through the worship service, I hope that that's a time when they're getting to know God more. So those are kind of in big group settings. And then there are times when either through emails or through phone conversations or through face-to-face -face conversations, um, I have the opportunity to kind of to talk to people and see where are they in life and what are they thinking about God right now and, and how can I help? Where is their pain and where is their joy and where is the hurt and how can I help bring God into that moment for them? What is one quote that you live by and what does it mean to you? Well, this week the quote that's been coming up a lot is um, Martin Luther said at one point, and so he was writing during the Reformation, so he was a Roman Catholic who looked at the Roman Catholic Church and said, we're not doing things right. And so he set out to reform the Roman Catholic Church. And what ended up happening was the Lutherans started and the Reformation really started. And um, a lot of other denominations started. And eventually the Roman Catholic Church made the reformations that he had hoped that they would make. Um, but he, he has a quote along the lines of, we remain saint and sinner at all times. So a push against the idea that we can so perfect ourselves that we're perfect. He pushed against that and pointed out that we each have in us the capacity for um, harm and for bad things, to do bad things to each other. And that even when we work on ourselves and we become better and better, that capacity to sin is still always there, that we can never on this side ever get rid of it. That sounds kind of bleak, but at the same time, it helps us when I joke that people act like people, when others don't do what I had hoped they would do. It's not overly surprising. It's like, yeah, they're being a person. They're being, that center part of them is coming out. And we can keep being friends and we can keep being colleagues or family or whatever, whoever it is. 
but let's work on how are we treating each other and, and how are we living together. But it doesn't destroy my relationship with them just because they did something that I don't like or that they shouldn't have done. What is it like being a female priest? I was really fortunate. Um, the first church where I was their rector, their, the priest in charge of their congregation, the rector that they had had before me was also a woman. So I was following her. Um, and so the fact that I was female there was less of an issue. Um, there are other moments in time where it's much more of an issue. Um, outside of my congregations, people often don't realize They'll see me and they'll see my white collar and they may not even realize I'm clergy. Um, they may think it's a really weird fashion choice, which is funny, who would choose that? But sometimes when they do realize that it means something religiously based, they can't place it. So if they were, if they're Roman Catholic, I've been called, I've been called sister a lot, which is a phrase for a nun. Um, and I've had other people who just are confused. Um, my favorite was being called sister when I was nine months pregnant. So I don't know how they managed to think about that one. I was like, no, I'm a priest. Proper phrase is mother if you want to use a title, but please call me Katie. So it, it gets interesting at those times. Um, I've been in meetings where people are planning religious observations and I have to remind them, let's make sure that all of the folks speaking in front of the group are not men. Let's make sure that there's a diversity of, of um, genders represented and, um, and different backgrounds of all types. Like let's show the, the breadth and depth of God's creation, including the creation that's allowed to be clergy and not pretend like only part of creation is allowed to be clergy at this time. So sometimes it's challenging, and other times it's no big deal. What is your favorite part of being a priest? I think that every day is different. That's something I care about a lot, and that's our, our relationship with God and how we're living our lives, that I get to, I get to play in that world all the time, and that... Um, the days are not boring. They are, one day is so different from the next and they, um, they come with all sorts of unexpected joys and it's just fun. Like I get to go to the hospital and hold newborn babies and rejoice with the parents. Like I get invited into really wonderful family moments and some of them aren't as happy, but they're all really sacred, really important moments that I get to I get to be a part of and remind people of God's presence in their lives at those amazing moments. What's on your bucket list? Oh, getting to England. Um, you can be excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think doing a long ocean cruise. My mom and I talk about going on um, like a, transatlantic ocean cruise. And part, part of that's just because I have a hard time slowing down. So being stuck on a boat for an extended period of time sounds like a good way to get me to settle down. Um, what else is on my bucket list? Seeing my children into adulthood 
and them having good lives. I think that's the biggest thing on my bucket list. What hobbies do you have? I've quilted in the past. I'm not working on anything right now. Um, I've been making a lot of window coverings for my house. So um, Roman shades for different windows in my house. I like sewing. Um, I like hiking. I really love the water. So I like stand-up paddleboarding and kayaking and pretty much anything that involves getting out on the water. And I like reading a lot. I like reading really weird science fiction. What are your favorite books? Um, there's one called The Sparrow that changed how I thought about science fiction. And that's one of my favorites. There's another one, I think the title's Through the Women's Gate, or Through the Women, yeah, Through Women's Gate. And it is a um, post-apocalyptic, dystopian future novel from a feminist perspective. And it's um, quite good. Have you ever had a big moment and blew it? I ever had a big moment and blew it. Well, I've had big moments where I've done things that just, I mean, I've been leading worship and had to stop and restart because I was so sideways. Um, and that's no fun kind of say to myself, okay, next time, be more prepared or do this this way, but try not to really focus on, oh, that was a big moment and it's gone and I blew it. What is the best piece of advice someone has given you? To not worry a whole lot about what other people think, but to do the right thing for my life. So to live my life the way that is right for me and the people I love around me and I'm responsible for, and not in some way that um, makes the neighbors happy, so to speak. I was raised by a woman who used to say on a regular basis, I don't care what the neighbors think. Like, we're going to do the right thing for our family. I don't care what the neighbors think. And that's a, that's a good way to live. You got to care about what people think, and you got to care about what you think. But it's what's the right decision for me and my people and not in a selfish way, but in a, I'm going to do what's authentic for us. What helps you through the most difficult times? I get enough sleep. Okay, you asked before what the best advice anyone ever gave me. I took a class one time. I was a youth minister for a while. And I took, I went to this big seminar on all sorts of youth ministry. And they had a class called um, Spiritual Disciplines for the Undisciplined. And I've never been one who has a rid really rigid daily schedule. Like some clergy get up and they say certain prayers every morning, just like this. I get really bored with that. I have to mix it up. I have to do different prayer things. So this class on the spiritual disciplines for the undisciplined, I thought, well, let me go see what they've got. And they said in there, sleep is a spiritual discipline. Getting enough sleep is a spiritual discipline. And that has been great advice. And so one of the things that I do is I get enough sleep. I can't think about anything well, and I can't respond well to stressful situations if I'm exhausted. So I sleep. Um, the other thing I do is kind of take my own internal temperature. How am I going? How am I doing? What's going on? Have I been under too much? I can do too much for a short time. You know, I can sprint. But then I got to rest. Then I got to figure out some way to charge up again. And some of that is just quiet meditation time. Some of it is getting out on the water. 
I looked at one of the folks that works at the church one day, and she knew it had been really stressful. There had been a lot of crazy things going on. And I said, I'm going now. I'm going to go out to the lake. I'm going to rent a kayak, and I'm kayaking this afternoon. (laughs) And it was just my way of sort of disconnecting from the craziness and no one needed anything right then. They could, everything was going to be fine if I walked away for a few hours. And being out on the water and paddling around, that restores my soul. So finding out, figuring out for myself what, restor, what feels good for me, what restores my soul. And then making time for it, making sure that I do that on a regular basis. What advice would you give young women today? What advice would I give young women today? I would remind them that the world around them does not have their best interest at heart all the time. That what people ask of them and show them and um, seem to present as normal may not be good for them, for their soul and for themselves. And so to be careful with themselves, to be careful who they communicate with and they um, connect themselves to and to take good care of who they are, to allow themselves to be who they want to be and who they are, um, and not, not worry a whole lot about everything else, and not feel like they have to make other people happy. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>